Welcome to the latest episode of our series, Hard Truths. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Last season, we unpacked the effects of systemic racism in the U.S. and told you stories about how this shows up in the lives of people of color, from housing to sports to higher education and beyond. In this season, we wanted to focus on solutions and talk to the people who are working to fix systemic inequities. Today, voter registration. Stacey Abrams created a blueprint in Georgia that helped the Democrats win two Senate seats and Joe Biden the presidency. Now, can other states duplicate that work? A lot of the credit for the Democratic Party's electoral wins in Georgia has gone to Stacey Abrams and the groundwork her nonpartisan group, the New Georgia Project, laid in that state. Their strategy was to focus on voter registration and education, and her success made others take note of how they could engage more voters in purple states like Pennsylvania and North Carolina. It was 2014 when then-Georgia House Minority Leader Stacey Abrams founded the New Georgia Project. That was also a midterm year. And when the New Georgia Project started, the nonprofit's goal for this new initiative was to register at least 120,000 eligible but unregistered Black, Latino, and Asian American voters ahead of that year's elections. There were hundreds of thousands of people of color who had simply never registered. Abrams recently talked to Axios Atlanta. She said voter registration drives in previous elections, led by individual candidates' campaigns, hadn't been able to reach unregistered voters of color. They were not the targets of this outreach because they were not considered the voters who would likely change the outcome of elections, so they were the least likely to be the targets of concentrated efforts. Abrams set out to change that, but for her plans to work, she had to make sure the people she registered actually cast a ballot. If you were someone who was low income or a person of color or not in a center city, the likelihood of you registering was not only low, but the conversion rate of your registration to participation was also low. Voter education was the difference. It's like handing someone the keys to a car, but never teaching them to drive the likelihood that they're going to use it was fairly nominal. Since the start of the New Georgia Project, they've registered more than half a million Georgians to vote. Abrams is again running for governor of Georgia, but since her last campaign, she's put a spotlight on voting rights that's inspired groups in other states to replicate her strategy. What I've always tried to do is build things that are replicable and exportable. And so we take copious notes, we, we frame out what we do, and we talk about it because I want people to be able to take this and try to apply it where they are, but adapt it to the situations they face. Many have taken inspiration from Abrams' work, including Republicans like former GOP Senator Kelly Loeffler, who started another group called Greater Georgia in March of last year with the goal of registering and engaging more conservative-leaning voters in Georgia. We'll be back in 15 seconds with how this model's playing out in Pennsylvania and North Carolina. Welcome back to Hard Truths. I'm Nyla Budu. Many other Democrats have also been inspired by the New Georgia Project, like the new North Carolina Project, which was started last year by Amy Steele. She says systemic racism manifests itself in voting in elections just like it does in many other U.S. systems. So how it shows up for voters is that it shows up in a way that 
doesn't allow voters or people of color to see people who look like them in positions of power. So then there is a natural next level of distrust in the system and distrust with those who make rules and policies that impact communities of color. Because of the lack of trust, because of the apathy, because of the way we've seen voter suppression in the rules created around who can vote, when they can vote, how they can vote, you know, people just really develop a sense of not wanting to participate year after year. How are you trying to overcome that? Well, as many events as we have, we try to bring a DJ along. (laughs) So it's so important to dance and laugh. We show up with a message of, of hope and a message of fun and a message of inspiration to really motivate people to take on those issues that are important to them in their communities, but to take them on in a way that allows them to share their voice and to engage politically. So we show up with music and we show up with dance and it just makes it, it makes it a party. So that person-to-person contact, how important is that? How much is that sort of the foundation of the work that you are doing in the New North Carolina Project? It really is the foundation of everything that our organization is built upon. It's built upon going into communities, talking to people directly, and making sure they have a face to put with this thing we call politics and this thing we call community organizing. Without the face, and truly it has to be a trusted messenger, without that trusted messenger, we really are not able to authentically engage with our communities. So that direct voter contact is essentially the bedrock of everything we do. As you're trying to enact all of these changes, and we're talking about this under the broad rubric of voter rights, why focus on voter registration out of all of those things? We know there are between four and 500,000 people in North Carolina who are persons of color who are eligible to register but are not quite registered yet. Many of them are young people who may or may not view the political system as something that can actually help them or assist them in their lives. So they grow apathetic toward it and they choose not to engage. Our job is to engage them. Our job is to also engage those who have already registered to vote but just haven't shown up consistently. And we are helping them find their reason to vote regularly and vote in every election every time. In Pennsylvania, Kadita Kenner of the New Pennsylvania Project is leading a similar effort. Like Steele's group in North Carolina, the focus is knocking on doors and talking to potential voters, regardless of party affiliation. There's the act of what is our mission, which is to register these 1.1 million Pennsylvanians who have um, stayed out of the electorate for various reasons. These are some folks who cast about in 2008, haven't seen their lives change for the better since then, and have dropped out of the electorate. There's also those who are 47 years old and have never registered to vote before in their lives. And so we're having really different conversations with them. So that's one aspect of it. But in order to get someone who's 47 years old to register to vote for the first time, you have to talk to them about something that's actually going to move them in this moment. We're doing lots of listening, first and foremost, before we're just giving out our talking points. So when we talk about educating constituents, it's them doing a lot of the educating with us. It's telling us what it is that's really kept them out of this process. What's your goal for fundraising? Yeah, so we're trying to register 50,000 new voters here in 2022. And if you think about the average cost to register someone who's been disenfranchised functionally and politically for so long, it's almost a cost of $40 a voter registration form. 
And so if you think about 50,000 voter registrations and times that by $40 a voter registration form, that's the need of $2 million. And how do you think your efforts fit into the bigger, larger legislative picture around voting rights? You know, so New Georgia Project also, there's the offshoot there, uh, Fair Fight, right? Stacey Abrams has the Fair Fight and then she has New Georgia Project. The New Pennsylvania Project, we find ourselves kind of filling both of those roles. We call ourselves a voting rights organization with a primary focus on voter registration. So that doesn't mean that all we're doing is knocking on doors and registering folks to vote. We're also getting engaged in efforts to make sure that our voting rights are protected here in the Commonwealth to make sure we have fair maps, that we're not a gerrymandered state as we are in this moment. They say that we're a uh, bellwether or they say that we're, um, you know, we're, we're one of these states that people need to watch out for because we swing one way or the other. The truth is we're a gerrymandered state and we've worked really hard to get rid of these gerrymandered maps to make sure that folks can be truly represented, that we can truly have a representative democracy here in the Commonwealth. Last year, at least 19 states passed 34 laws that restricted access to voting. That's according to the Brennan Center for Justice. It's more than any year since 2011, when the Law and Policy Institute started tracking this issue. Congress could have had an impact here. But earlier this year, the Senate failed to pass the Voting Rights Bill, a combination of the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. The measure was blocked by Republicans in a 49 to 51 vote. Activists say the hard truth is they can't wait for Congress to act. They see their voting rights work on the ground and at the state level as even more important ahead of the 2022 midterms and as a way to ensure and expand voting rights for all. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. This episode was produced by Nuria Marquez-Martinez and edited by Alexandra Boti. Ben O'Brien is our sound engineer. Special thanks to our editor-in-chief, Sarah Kehilani-Goo, executive producer, Julia Redpath, and Axios Atlanta reporter, Emma Hurt. We've got so much more about how people are tackling systemic racism in voting at axios.com. And you can always tell us what you think. You can text me at 202-918-4893, or you can email us at podcasts at axios.com. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we're back with the news on Monday.